1: Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. I am your host, Troy McClung, and glad to be able to be back for another uh, episode that we could release. It's been a very hectic last week. We've um, had a lot going on, a lot of things going on with the uh, all-farm business, my marketing company, and um, and then it was chicken processing week this week at Red Toolhouse. So we, um, we processed 100 broilers on farm. Uh, did did that over a two day period, and did something new this year. We actually processed them into individual cuts, so that uh, added a new layer of intricacy to our process. But uh, all went well, uh, but that really uh, took up some time there. So I'm a little late in getting this podcast posted. But uh, other than that, as far as things going on, on the farm, we've uh, we've had uh, plenty of rain here recently, so things are green and bushy. In fact, it seems like things grow faster than I can cut them. But that's the way it is. It's better than the alternative. Those of you out west, I am praying that you get some rain and I'm praying that some of your um, water tables can maybe get uh, reestablished. Well, as always, I just want to do a quick shout-out to our Patreon supporters. I appreciate those that have, uh, that have stepped up and have supported what we're doing here. Again, it's, uh, it's, it's very inspiring and very motivating when people uh, give their hard-earned money to, uh, to kind of say, hey, it's like a, it's almost like a digital tip jar. Thank you for what you do. And, of course, they get to take advantage of some of the additional resources behind the Patreon paywall. We have some additional bonus episodes that we're talking about uh, farm business and marketing, those type of things. But we are, I think we're seven, as of right now recording this, I think we're seven supporters away from our first goal. Uh, when we hit twenty uh, supporters, then we will uh, be able to launch our first goal, and you can see all the details if you just visit the Patreon page as to what those goals are and how we'll move forward there. So but I really appreciate uh, those that that are supporting. Well, in, in tonight's interview, we are actually kind of circling back around a little bit. Um, we've We've done a couple of these before and and I, I, I like them. Um, I, I'm not quite sure I need you all to give me feedback. Um, as far as a heads up goes, because uh, we're going back to Iron Bell Acres in North Carolina and talking with Stephen Smith. We spoke to him back in episode 32, which aired January the 15th of 2020. And we talk a little bit about uh, you know the way things were back then and where he is now. And, and so he's, he shares um, the majority of his time where he shares obviously the updates as to what's changed, the directions they've gone, what were successes, what were failures. So I think think this episode can stand alone if you haven't heard that episode, but um, I think even if you go back and do it in reverse order, I think it still makes sense. But um, if you think it doesn't and we need to do something different when we do these follow-ups, maybe tease them a week or two in advance so it gives you time to go back, just let me know and I'll see if I can get organized well enough to do that. But uh, without further ado, we're going to jump in. He's going to, he's going to talk about um, something I think is interesting and, and why he and his farm they decided to move away from American Guinea Hog and focus on larger breeds. And he's going to talk about that and some other issues they ran into and other lessons learned. So I'm going to go ahead and jump in and let Stephen take over. Uh, tonight, we've got a uh, unique episode where. Uh, we we've done this once already, and it, it was I think you all enjoyed it. So we're going to come back around again, and we're we're revisiting uh, a farm that we talked about more than a year ago. And tonight we're talking with Stephen Smith from Iron Bell Acres down in North Carolina. So first of all, welcome, Stephen. Hey, thanks, Troy. Thanks for having me back. All right, man. Glad you, glad you could make it back. When we last talked to you, that was uh, that was episode thirty two. For those of you that want to go back and listen. Uh, and I believe that well, that aired in January, but I believe our conversation was uh, it was right around New Year's, wasn't it, Stephen?
2: Yeah, we were we were right there after first of the year. Yeah, uh, like first, maybe first, second week of January, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you must have been the head of the batch there. So, so yeah. So now that was uh, goodness. That was January of 2020, and nothing really exciting was going on at that time. You know, fast forward now, uh, 14 months, and. Fortunately, a you're still here, so that's good. <laughs> yeah. B uh, you're going to give us an update of stuff here. So first of all, let's um, let's talk about that. We uh, well, here let's do a real a real quick recap. So North Carolina, um, you you were globally like on the 80 acres of family property, but you were kind of focusing on the five acres that you guys had particularly. That five acres was tobacco, was old tobacco field that you're taking over, but you did have access to some woodlot as well. Um, I believe you were uh, Idaho Pastured Pigs and, and just starting to get into AGH, I believe, uh, been doing some retail cuts, uh, just starting to get into holes in halves. Does that sound like a good summary?
2: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty much it. Yeah, we, uh, we, we, at that time, we had the Idaho Pastured Pigs. Uh, we were actually scaling down for a, an extremely short amount of time, and then we're going with that, and that's part of our reason why we were going with the American Guinea Hog. Uh, and then we quickly redirected after that. So I think my conversation with you and kind of keeping it up with you guys on your YouTube channel and different stuff got going on and then talking with some other people. So we kind of we copycat you a little bit, Troy. Yeah. Uh, so we ended up contacting David Crafton, and we were able to get some pigs delivered from him, um, including our a breeding boar, or future breeding boar, uh, and then got some pigs from a couple other places, a couple local places, And so we completely did a complete 180, and completely turned away from the Kenny Hog and Idaho pasture pigs. And they're completely going with, uh, the larger breeds and heritage crosses now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So did you end up with some of the Tamworth large black, like I have, or do you have some of his other mixes?
2: So the ones that we kept for breeding, uh, were the, the the Tamworth large black, Mm -hmm. our boar, uh, Probably very similar to like what your your boars are, uh, but high percent, higher percentage, large black, a little bit of work. Yeah. And he is actually the only one we retained to keep for breeding. Uh, we ended up processing the rest. We had gotten a couple of gilts from him that were maybe potential breeders, uh, but we ended up kind of steering away from them. We really liked the confirmation of the boar we got, and so we ended up keeping him on as a breeder to go to some different breed sows or gilts at the time
1: that we had. Yeah, yeah, okay. So um... – Stephen, why the change? Uh, you know, if, you, if people go back and listen uh, last year, um, you, you, you kind of had a plan with the AGH, and um, it sounds like that's kind of that that shifted gears pretty quickly since you've already gone through a, uh, a cycle with this new breed line. What what was the pivotal moment there?
2: I think part of me really just I think after I did the podcast and there for a little bit of time for the next month or so after. Uh, uh, it was just very wishy-washy, I guess, kind of back and forth of what we wanted to do. And I think we had more folks uh, asking us about, you know, our past report and wanting to get in, you know, an interest in that. And I just didn't have a whole lot to be able to sell at that time and uh, to be able to, you know, to do that. And so I think it kind of took us away a little bit from customers and different folks to be able to talk about what we had uh, since we were kind of changing towards the AGH. Uh, and then shortly after, we processed a couple of AGH that we had And we're very happy with the meat quality for like our personal use. But, I mean, I I was, you know, kind of learned from that experience now that, you know, AGH is great, in in my opinion, for personal use. Uh, Small homestead type thing, uh, you know, maybe, you know, higher end folks looking for something small like that. But really, when you're trying to reach out and sell pork, you know, they really, it really just didn't hit hit the mold very well um, for what we wanted to do in, in the long run
1: yeah i mean that makes perfect sense when you look at like you said the the agh i mean i I can see uh i can almost picture you kind of standing out in the meadow and saying okay i've got a lot of demand here i got a lot of people looking for pork and i've got these hogs that aren't going to grow very big and it's also going to take them 18 months to 24 months to get to the size i need so um yeah i I could see where that would be a head scratcher and, and definitely would be a um required it like you say change gears pretty quickly it's like man you don't want to you don't want to miss out you don't want to go uh, two seasons without being able to produce so so having something in, in play there sounds good but yeah i agree with you i mean the, the quality of the meat and and i would like the agh for like you said a small homestead farm something where you you're you're, you're going to use them for more than just meat they're going to help keep some grass and some field maintained and and that that produces uh, some really good quality meat there
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, said, so they, they, they definitely fit a very good niche market and for what you're try, what a lot of folks are trying to do. So, I mean, I'm not going to knock them. Uh, meat quality, again, I mean, that is outstanding on them. Uh, and then I, one of the big shifts for us, too, it wasn't long thereafter, so we still kind of ha- had an assortment of breeds at that time. And right after, within about a month to six weeks, so still, still pre-COVID, you know, still within a month before everything – kind of hit the fan on that, we started selling and having people interested in whole pigs. And, they, you know, we had a few that we had, had as, uh, you know, feeders that we were growing out. And so even pre-COVID, you know, we were, I figured out that you know, I was able to sell whole pigs a lot easier than I had in the past. There was more and more people interested in that kind of thing and wanting to purchase bulk. And so it was like before I knew it, well, man I'm, I'm out of feeders i don't have any more to grow out every everything is pre-sold and promised and so i think it's some of that too realizing that i could reach more folks and, and that i did have a lot of interest in going that route is kind of part of the reason we turned away from the agh and IPP too. i mean we kind of realized we just needed a more consistent growth and growth rate and size uh, but also still keeping a you know a quality product
1: yeah yeah, definitely. I mean, there's no doubt looking at uh, the last 12 months, you know, when uh, when COVID hit last year, it, it was just a rush on everything. I mean, I could have sold five times uh, the size uh, pigs that I had at that point. It, it is amazing how how quickly people realize that, hey, we, we need to maybe be a little more serious about our food supply and understanding where it comes from and, and acquiring it uh, further upstream. So it, it was interesting to adapt to that so that got you into selling more whole and half hogs, which is interesting because that's not the normal it's not the normal evolution of people selling meat usually. normally they start with a whole and a half, a because, a lot of the restrictions and the uh, USDA and some of those type of things, cause you're looking at just custom processing versus USDA inspected, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then they get over into cuts, but you went from cuts into a hole in half. So do you think it was COVID that catalyst you think, or was it just, maybe it was a, a combination of stuff with, with marketing and some of the other things that you're doing?
2: I think it was probably a good combination. Like I said, we had actually pre-sold uh, several, several pigs as whole uh, even before COVID started. And then once, COVID started, and then we start going into the end of March, 1st to April, I had more, even more folks book with us. We kind of started gearing some of our online marketing, and when I say online marketing, I really specifically think through Facebook. Uh, I haven't really upgraded really since last year.
1: That's interesting, and that's interesting. You, you talk about never selling a half. Um, I usually, I have about fifty-fifty uh, in in my client base. That's fifty you percent know, of people want the half because they don't seem to have the freezer space, or they don't eat that much pork, or they can't afford it. I'm not quite sure what all those those elements are, but uh, it's interesting that you don't uh, you don't have a single half customer. So, have you had people ask you say, "Well, no, I don't want to mess with it," or they're just everybody's all whole hog.
2: us at something, and they asked, and you know I kind of went through the you know spiel with them and the information. So I was willing to do it, uh, and they ended up that first particular person didn't go with us. Uh, but really, I guess everybody has been interested in the whole. I think one thing that we've done with that maybe compared to some that has uh, it's given us a little bit of an advantage. So typically, with most of our whole pigs that we're selling, I typically tried to get them live weight around 250 pounds. Mm. Uh, which I which I know is probably a, a hair smaller, uh, 50, could be fifty to hundred pounds smaller than probably what the average person does, and I think a lot of that for what we've tried to do with that is because we knew starting it that most people would not have the freezer space. Uh, I mean, it, it's just it was just very uncommon, and was I think really until the last I would say even year or so that people really kept like letting test freezers and stuff like that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so offering the smaller pig, you know, 250-pound pig is going to hang around, you know, 180, 185 is what we're finding, maybe 190. Uh, and then your so actual product, they're getting somewhere between 100 to 130 pounds of actual product to eat that. And that's a lot for the average family that has never bought a whole pig. Uh, I would say all the people out of the 14 last year, I think 13 of them had never bought a whole pig before. Um, and so I think that was kind of a good introduction to, the, to that. Uh, and so now pretty much all of those folks last year that Paul has returned to us this year. And we've had a couple of folks that have requested, you know, hey, man, we went to that sport quicker than we thought. We really would like a bigger pick this year. And so we're going to try to accommodate those, you know, requests. Um, but, I, but I think it's, you know, like I said, it just kind of took off for us. And we, um, I think listening to, a, you know, a podcast, I like listening to a graphic do they want to
1: That's, that's the thing. If you've got a good customer base established and they, they have a desire for your product, a genuine desire for your product, then that element of scarcity comes into play as well to say, hey guys, you know, uh, whole hogs, uh, customers go first. What's left over gets uh, put into retail cuts. So that I can't guarantee we're going to have a lot amount, you know, a large amount of retail cuts. So you may want to get on the, the whole hog train before uh, we run out of stuff.
2: Back and forth with people. Uh, but, you know, really just trying to give people the, you know, the one on one, you know, I guess you want to call it customer support to kind of walk them through it because, again, most people have never ordered a whole pig before. Uh, so, I mean, they need them walking through it and explaining about the cut sheet and, you know, on average, how many cuts to this and that will get. And uh, so, I, you know, I think that's made a good difference. I guess I've gotten pretty good at uh, the marketing part of that with people and discussing and, you know, talking with people about it. And, We've just been fortunate, too, that, that a lot of people have been interested in this area so We you know around with us of you know, wanting to you
1: know, purchase stuff from us. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. Well, on the subject of whole hog, we had talked to pre-screening there that you have an interesting experience last year concerning whole hog. I, I think you referred to it as a learning experience. You want to share that story with us?
2: Oh, man, yeah. So, uh, so last year... Uh, After we had already sold a handful of whole pigs, already went, you know, it it started doing it. We we pre-sold, you know, took deposits, Um, and before we before we started taking pigs to process, you know, once the pigs would go to processing, you know, once they were ready to pick up from our local processor, they would invoice me. It would tell me what the hanging weight was and what the, you know, the processing fees and all that. So I would deal our customers. Uh, you know, let them know what that was, and they would pay me through multiple means. Well, because uh, the processor had gotten to the point where they really only wanted their regular customers, you know, handling the payments to them. Uh, they didn't want, you know, people that had bought picks from me coming coming in and paying and that kind of thing and just being all over the place. So I was kind of the middleman as far as even our customer's and process, which was fine, uh, but we had worked out with all of our customers for the year, that once they were to go, once but once we paid for their part, uh, they could go and they could pick it up, you know, and they would be responsible for picking up that their meat. They would they would give them the uh, you know the pig's number that they were tagged with, the meat was tagged with, and they would go and pick it up. Well, I think our third customer last year in June, uh, they paid us somebody that had come across us through Facebook, and good good customer, you know, paid their deposit, they paid for their part, what they owed me, and then what they owed the processor. So their bill was paid. I gave that person the TAC number, and so that person, uh, a lady, sent their husband to our processor to pick up their pig. So it should have been, you know, pretty easy dealing, get, get the tag number, show up they you know roll out their meat that person loads in the coolers and goes well so that was the idea anyway and what had ended up happening was they were planning to go get it so I, i was going out of town uh going camping and i had already been camping for a night and then the very next morning i'm getting a call from another customer well, another customer of mine was planning, you know, same thing. I mean, I'll, I'll cut out the details, but they were going to pick up their pig as well. And when they showed up to pick up their pig, uh, the processor told them, uh, "I'm sorry, Iron Bell Acres meat was picked up yesterday." Hmm. So, so, so my customer calls me. And of course, I'm an hour away, hour and a half away in the foothills of North Carolina, and I'm like, "Oh my goodness!" So. I called the processor back, myself, trying to talk to him And so, what long story short, uh, what had happened was the customer that had gone the day before, they showed up, and instead of telling telling them the product numbers that they were picking up, they just said that they were there picking up for Iron Bell Acres. Oh, that,
1: okay.
2: And so what our customer did was they picked up four different customers' pigs, <laughs> lo- loaded it in their car, and then drove about two hours away uh, from the processor back up towards the foothills where the customer was from. Oh, no. So, so they had four customer sigs loaded up into coolers, and I'm assuming the back seat and trunk of their car right. and probably everywhere That's they could so. put it. I mean, you can imagine how much meat.
1: like, we made out like bandits so, on this gig.
2: <laughs> I, I mean, it was, it, 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 I mean, it, I'm sitting on the bed in our RV, you know, at 7 o'clock in the morning, talking with my second customer, and then talking with the processor about this, I mean, wow. this atrocity that has, has, has happened. And, I mean, I thought I was like to have heart complications like, oh, my gosh, like this, you know, what is going on? So, of course, again, it's 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm calling the first customer from the day before, and at first, you know, they weren't picking up. But, of course, it's, it's early. Um, and so, again, to just kind of continue shortening the story a little bit, I am about 30 minutes away where I was camping from the first customer. So I finally got in touch with them and the the first customer, needless to say, they will probably not be a customer of ours again. (laughs)
1: They still keep it in the in the packages with the numbers on it, so you could at least tell uh, whose was whose.
2: Yeah. So yeah, for, that was very fortunate. Yeah. Customer did allow us to come and go through their freezer. that uh, we can't have customers going through the process. <laughs> <laughs>
1: picking up everybody the yeah
2: same, yeah but i mean but at the same time you know I, I i guess i shouldn't have trusted a customer who had never bought a whole pig or picked up a whole pig to be able to do it either so
1: yeah well uh, yeah i mean that's learning experience all the way around well that's like you say that's that's one you don't really expect until you run into it and it's like Ooh, uh, and you didn't think that could happen but you know I'll, I'll never get burned by that one again you know that's interesting um i i've, I've kind of come to the same conclusion in fact i don't I don't look at, I got to say this the right way since we're, (laughs) since we're podcasting here, but you know, technically it's my understanding that the law, if you're doing custom, now this is not USDA and those type of things, but if you're doing custom, then we, as the, the producer aren't even supposed to touch it after it goes to the processor. But, um, uh, let's just say that that I don't necessarily agree 100% with that for the exact same reason you're talking about. When a customer goes to the processor, when you've got multiple customers going there, then it can be an issue. And the issue that I ran into, I actually lost some customers, and I don't uh, no longer use this processor, but the day that I was sending people to pick up their pork just happened to be, uh, I think it was opening day of, of rifle season for deer so this guy just loves doing deer and he had these people come and bring these guys come and bring their their bucks and just lay them out in the parking lot so it looked like the cambodia killing fields uh, on on pickup day and and you know my people are 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 usually urban suburban people they're they're definitely not country folk and they're rolling up and they just see all of these carcasses laying around just laying in the parking lot of course the flies the smell all that goes along with that and it was just an absolute mess and I had people tell me it's like um, we, I'm sorry we, we can't we, we can never do that again. So uh, yeah, so it's like there's so many things that we can't control with a processor, but the one thing I can control is you know the customer going there or not going there. so yeah I, I definitely feel your pain there man. it's uh, it's it's something that you got you got to figure out and you just got to learn as you go along and you got to play the game to some degree, but yeah you, you got to take as much control over it as possible.
2: Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you, you know, I, I looked at it like, you know, I wanted customers to go and pick up their pig because, you know, I, you know, I felt like as a producer, you know, I'm I'm giving, I'm selling a good product at a good price, and I really didn't have factored in my the pricing or cost of okay, well, I'm going to take an afternoon to go pick up right. four customers or six customers meet at one time and, and handle it, get it back here, and have to meet with people. So. It definitely was a whole other thing that I had to go into and now and now start planning for and accounting for. Um, but but in the long run, it, it's better that I be the one that do it because because I can you know trust myself and I, I can be efficient in checking check sheets and going through stuff and making sure everybody's getting the right stuff to the cooler. And I mean, like I said, I don't, you know I don't put the blame on the processor. I've enjoyed working with our processor. Um, but again, I think they are just there's. Just like every all the processors are this year. And then for the foreseeable future, I mean they're just so busy and there's a lot of product and I mean one tray can get flipped up in the wrong place. So it's it's better off that I test yeah. them
1: Yeah, yeah. And it, I mean it is a shuffle of responsibility. It's you know, you've got responsibility that is the processor gonna do it right if the customer shows up, you know, is the customer gonna steal all my other customers' meat? you know. So there's that responsibility you have to worry about. But then when you take possession of it, like you said, you've got that responsibility of of, I, I got to make sure I'm, I'm taking the time off. I'm meeting up with everybody. If somebody skips, what am I going to do with their meat? Does it come home and go to my freezer? Do I have freezer space? Again, when you, you think about the letter of the law, the regulation, then you get into some areas there. It's like, well, I'm really not supposed to be doing this. So Again, it all depends on your processing structure. But, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. And, again, the, the processor's always that seems to be the, always that weakest link in the chain when it comes to uh, to pig processing. Well, let's uh, let's segue here. So, um, at the end of our interview last year, we we talked about some goals, and one of your goals you said was, "Yeah, you know, I've got this space down at the end of the driveway, and man, it would be awesome if you know, somewhere down the road that I could have an on-farm store." Now, it's my understanding that that wasn't a far-off goal. It seems it seems like you've kind of uh, put that one on fast forward. So, so tell me about that a little bit.
2: Able to help us with, is to show that we could be successful in selling and moving lots of products. Um, and so we went ahead here in just the last few months, decided that we wanted to go ahead and have a little farm store. And so we, we've, we've been able to make that happen. Um, we purchased a, we're basically amounts to like a storage building. You know, you kind of go to a place, lots of them around, you kind of custom make layouts good and how you want it. And then they get delivered to your house so we found a company that was great to work with got our you know little building how they want it uh it's just a little small 10 by 16 uh building uh with three windows and a you know nice fiberglass you know house quality door and we've been able to run our electric electric and stuff to it ourselves and kind of doing a lot of work uh, ourselves to kind of help save us a little bit of long. and so we are going to run about three to four freezers inside of there, uh have a little checkout space, um, have some little farm, you know, knickknacks and stuff. We have a friend of ours that is making like farm decor, house decor type things. So she's gonna put some stuff in there to go along with us and we'll have a way to be able to of course sell our pork. Um and as well as branching out. So we're also, you know, branching out and doing grass fed beef, uh as well as you know, pasture raised raised eggs. Um maybe do chicken in the future, Uh, but right now I think we're kind of putting that on the back burner. and So we've just been able to fast forward to that, and we've got a lot of people excited about it. Um, I think being able to have the store, at least it appears, uh, before it actually happens. and So we'll, you know, of course, the test of time will tell. Um, But I think a lot of people are interested and excited. It kind of gives some people a way to be able to come out and give them a place to come and purchase. Uh, Because in the past, everything we had a free couple freezers in my parents garage so we of course live on family land where my parents and there were a couple of freezers in their garage that were our u.s
1: Excellent. So it sounds like geographically, your your farm logically sits somewhere your customer base can easily get to. Vai, good that that farm experience that you know sticking your toe in the water of agritourism that that's always good that there's a lot of intangible benefits that come from that so good good deal all right well Stephen, looking at uh, some additional notes here um you pointed out that there's some community effort and some partnership with other farms that that you guys have been able to do here in the last year uh give me a little details about that and, and the benefits from it
2: that we've been able to acquire a good social media presence. And so I really try to make a point that when I see and hear about people talking on local pages uh, about them starting up farms and them starting up a farm or homestead, I try to, you know, like and follow their page as quick as I can uh, and try to bring attention to other folks, especially folks that are in our area or even possibly maybe a little farther out from us, uh, just to be able to see, you know, what friendships you can spark up and then people you can, you know, kind of fall back on for some information um, uh one of, one of those friends that we've kind of made here in the last year or so is, Ch- is Chuck over at Sheridan Park. Uh, we've, I've been over to his place multiple times, and then over a year uh, just kind of talking pigs and things that work and don't work. And uh, we're actually able to get our feed uh, fit over there to his place. Uh, we're, we're kind of going in together, uh, getting feed delivered from a meal that's about an hour and a half or so away. Uh, And so because we can order such a large amount, the place would deliver uh, bags of feed for us. uh, So that's kind of, that's been a big area, a big help for us. Um, We're also working with some local guys that are, um, um, I'm not sure of the technical term, APS maybe? Is that right to Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so some guys with local honey uh, to be able to offer up. And I think that's going to be something we'll carry in the store this summer. Um, and then just with a couple of couple of guys here local, so I have a cousin that is, uh, because we have quite a piece of family land here and stuff, I have a cousin of mine that's really into working in the ag side of, you know, crops and growing things, um, and he's super handy uh, when it comes to fixing up stuff, repairing stuff, and so he's actually wanting to get into growing some of his own corn and some oats, um, and so I think you know, we may be able to source some of our grains in the future from him um, and being able to help out. I mean, I think he just enjoys wants to do it, and so we'll kind of see where that goes, and there's another local farm down the road that we've been able to source some corn from at different times uh, of the year when we're, you know, needing a little extra, you know, cheap grain that, you know, we can ferment and soak and do some stuff with to, you know, be able to kind of just as an extra supplement and you know, just, just trying to just reach out to folks, and I think talking with folks is just kind of where some of us started and, um, you know, ho- hopefully can, can continue to kind of do some things and partner with some other farms and do some stuff together.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that is, again, just another incredible asset to have that sense of community because with that sense of community, of course, comes that support. Like I said, the purchasing power that you guys have with Chuck, being able to acquire that feed uh, your store as it gets going, being able to either co-sign um, or co-op some, some opportunities there or do some consignment uh, with with their other products, or just allow them to sell it out. And that way you just have a, you know, a destination location. People realize, oh, wow, there's all kinds of neat farm products here. This is now the place to come to. Uh, so a lot of intangible benefits that can really help grow that customer base and just, just build awareness in the community and, of course, help cover one another when issues arise. That's good stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's you know another um, farm in the area. A buddy of mine has recently bought, purchased a property uh, that was his folks, and they had a well-established blueberry, blackberry, and then peach and apple orchard, Hmm. Uh, and so we're really, I mean, really working with him. Uh, I mean, that's been our best partnership here lately. I mean, we've been good friends since, I mean, really on back into middle school, Uh, and he moved back from Colorado and has taken over that farm, and uh so he you know we've got uh we actually have a uh a boar that we're a young boar that we're keeping over at his house reading a couple of gilts that he had and uh you know able to kind of partner on that a little bit and i think in the future he's wanting to get into maybe some burks um and so we may partner together and you know go in on a boar um and then just able to you know kind of just you know again, share some knowledge help each other out with different stuff and you know, he, him and along with my dad and cousin, a couple of different friends around, there's definitely some people, you know, we call on to sometimes help us be able to, uh, you know, just ha- handle certain things, especially when it comes to, you know, castrate piglets. and. <laughs> right. right <yeah. laughs> you know, sometimes you need, need that little extra helping hand.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think of that. That always comes in handy for us when it's chicken processing day. You got a couple hundred chickens to process. It's, it's good to have friends that will come help you. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Stephen, looking uh, looking ahead, obviously the, the farm store uh, expanding, growing, that type of thing, uh, increased uh, whole hog sales. What other things do you see happening in 2021 maybe that uh, that you hope will, will transpire for your farm?
2: Uh, I think we want to get in – we want to continue to kind of expand on the retail and whole pig side of things uh, as well as being able to maybe offer – you know some other benefits stuff. I think like you said, you know, being able just to have a, you know, having our little store. It's nothing big, nothing fancy, but it it gives a central place to be able to sell. But, you know, we're kind of expanding to some other areas outside of the pigs too. I mean, the pigs will continue to remain our foundation. In the same area that are selling the same type of stuff but at the same time there's there's so few of us and and there's so many folks out there that want to purchase you know good quality pasture raised products that are you know raised the right way that you know i think it's important for us to you know be able to work with other you know small farms and, and do that kind of thing so so hopefully we'll be able to you know do a little bit of that and have some you know good quality pasture picks to offer in the future
1: yeah, you know, that's understanding. That's, that's probably another entire podcast. episode, probably multiple. But looking at that, you know, the pros and cons of multiple local farms producing the same product, you know, and in, in whether you work together or whether you look at, look at each other as competition. Because, you know, the, the issue with competition, especially in a situation where you're dealing with, with animals and, and things where cash flow is going to be king, then sometimes when people get spooked, their knee jerk is to cut prices and say, "Okay, you have Steven selling this for eight dollars a pound. I'm going to sell it for seven fifty, and I'm going to try to take a lot of his business." So you, you obviously don't want to fall into that. But man, when when things are when things are clicking and going well, not that you're price fixing, but uh, you have an understanding. Hey guys, let's you know let's make sure that we each fish our own ponds. But let's stick together and let's team up to show how you know, we're we're changing uh, you know, the food process. We're changing uh, the opportunity to access you know, nutrient-dense food that's been raised on farm locally. So, yeah, there, there's definitely some some pros and cons to that, or there's there's I guess maybe there's there's bear trap potentials there. But man, when it's clicking, yeah. it could it can really make something exciting in a neighborhood.
2: Yeah, and that's I mean that's the thing. It's, it's there's definitely a twofold, you know, two side of sides to that, and. I mean, for the two or three years that we did the Idaho pasture pigs, I mean, there's lots of folks we sold piglets to over the years. A couple, if they just two or three years time, which really not that long a span of time, but two or three years time, I mean, you're talking, you know, four to six to seven, you know, litters of piglets that you know came and went. And I mean, to to my knowledge and trying to you know keeping up with some folks, their pages and stuff. I mean. Some folks continue doing pigs and some pasture pigs and for the most part you know not everybody stayed in it so i think there's kind of that aspect of it too is, right you know i might be selling i might be selling a you know excellent breeding quality pig that may end up competing against me one day i mean i'm sure that's how some folks look at it especially the folks that are selling the big registered, and the old line stock i know they call it but uh, but for me you know, the likelihood of somebody taking one of the pigs and, you know, starting on an operation, is, I mean, it's really fairly small. Um, I mean, pigs, I think, are really not that hard in compared to other livestock, but it's the same thing, having a breeding operation of pigs is a whole other matter. And, sure. I mean, I, I, I plan for the foreseeable future to, you know, keep our own breeding stock and do that instead of buying or sourcing feeders from somewhere else, but it's really just not for everybody, and so, I mean... If I sell a handful of feeders to somebody and they decide that they want to start their own feeding operations, then, I mean, I think more power to them and There's there's plenty of fish in the
1: sea. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and I agree. I think I think when, when it works, it's an absolute beautiful thing. And man, it'd be awesome if, if it would work all the time. I'd love to see more of those opportunities. I think that's where you're really going to get the general masses, mass of goodness, general masses wake up and, and recognize the difference between you know, pastured-raised, uh, pork product versus, you know, something you're going to get at a big box store. So hopefully that comes to fruition.
2: So uh, so just, I mean, I guess kind of want to question you back a little bit, Troy, since so yeah. I've kind of followed behind you. So How uh, how has been your grow out and stuff? So coming from like the breeding boar from David and everything, have you been happy with uh, – Everything that's going on
1: with that? Yeah, you know, I, I think overall, if, if we put an overall grade card on the pigs, I, I would say that they pass. Um, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little bi or I'm a little uh, not biased, but I guess I'm a, I've been a little bit spoiled in the past with raising Duroc. So yeah. in six months, and sometimes I go seven months, I could get some serious, serious hogs uh, with that Duroc. But my pasture looks like you know somebody set off a mortar because these huge holes where they just just wail on it. Uh, and my pasture, I mean, obviously our woodlot areas. But um, so I, I I miss I miss having a bigger hog. But uh, there's there's pros and cons. I miss having a bigger hog when I'm putting meat in my own freezer. Um, yeah. At at the rate that I sell our pigs, when I was selling a you know a hanging weight of two ninety nine and that kind of stuff, you know, I had some customers. Feel like they had to donate a kidney to pay for it because it was so expensive. Um, so it was good cash flow, but it was a little tough on on customers. But but looking at the meat quality, looking at the overall dis yeah uh, you know, the the uh, the confirmation of the pig, the attitude of the pig, uh, all that is is a positive check mark. Those Duroc's could get kind of hateful, and and I really like these pigs. I mean, the fact that I still have three boars is laughable, but uh, you know there's obviously a story behind that, but uh, if I had one good solid boar, I'm still kind of doing the dating game there to see who's going to be the one that that makes it. But um, but yeah, I, I've just I've just been really happy with them. Um, the the sows, good mothers, very chill. I mean, I, I have no fear of being in the uh, farrowing barns with them, any of that type of stuff. And uh, and of course, you know, like we always talk about, it, I was sitting on the front porch this this morning doing some some work in the beautiful weather and look i can look across the uh, the valley and see the um, the pigs that are they're due to be processed here the end of april so uh so they're coming up on their time soon but uh, to see them yeah they're playing in a a spring wallow that's on the side of the mountain and they're they're literally flipping flopping sliding down in the mud it's just absolutely hilarious like man i love these animals they they are they are just the ideal thing to have for for improvement of the ground for clearing land and oh by the way they're really tasty so it's it's just been fantastic to have them so yeah i'm i'm, I'm a big fan of david's line i've been impressed with it and um he's going to have to buy me dinner because i know i know that i've, you know, I've sent some business his way but uh but i really do enjoy his uh, his genetics what he's raising down there so he's got something figured out
2: yeah and i think i think that's the thing like with, with david like with a lot of folks and what i would encourage you know people that are trying to get into it is you know, trying to find somebody that has been working with pigs on pasture and has worked with, you know, the, that those genetics for, you know, quite a period of time. I mean, our, our boar that we've, we've got from David is, I mean, doing great. Uh, big old fella uh, to be a barely over a year old. Um, I think I took a, had a picture posted on Facebook a couple of weeks ago of our boar standing beside our miniature donkey. And I think, I think the back line of the boar is just as high. It's not higher than the finish you're going <laughs> to get, about 32, 33 inches. And he's probably about two and a half times as long. So I don't know how much you weigh. Um, but he is super docile, super easy going. When the piglets only had about 60 some piglets in with him back about three months ago, I mean, he would lay down more gently, even than I would think you know, the first time Sal did. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: just super, super, super great. And like with the meat quality, he's been great too. Few ones we've already processed, and a whole bunch more that we are growing out. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I, anybody that is looking for pigs, like David, I think David would be a great place to start. And, yeah. Or, I mean, if not David or somewhere else in the country, then anybody, somebody that's been working with the pigs on pasture for you
1: know a while. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, you get what you pay for there when it comes to it comes to people that have that have done it and and have the animal husbandry background, and and they and they have proven results, and that's that's what I liked about what he put together. Yeah, it's interesting. A quick story because you you brought it up talking about the boar. So, you know, right now one of the three that I have uh, mingled in, we've named him Mongo. He is the uh, sire of the two sows that are currently pregnant. And uh, he's he's one of those things, he, he... I wouldn't say it intimidates me, but he's obviously somebody that I respect a lot more than than the Sal's uh, per se, and even our huge, uh, you know, our our landmark Sal Sal that's been kind of hanging around way too long that's become our mascot. You know, she's you know 900 pounds now, but but the boar's getting up there, and but he is he's not aggressive, but that that dude wants to be standing right beside you when it's feed time, and it's like he's trying to go through your pockets looking for stuff. So he's that height, you know. I'm I'm six too, so he can easily reach into my my uh, pants pockets if he wants to with that big old snout. And uh, what was funny, the uh, it was probably two months ago. I'm walking through, and it was a you know typical West Virginia muddy rainy um, winter day. So I'm everything I can do to stand up in the mud anyway in that sacrificial area. So I'm walking past him. Well, he's he's gonna he wants to do a pocket check. So I I go to as I go past him, I kind of kick my left you know, left leg up kind of a sidekick to to kind of just you know, knock him in the nose with my boots pretty easy and uh, so i had a tiny just just stupid luck I had a tiny little pinhole in my pants leg and uh it just happened to hook on his tusk because you know, we didn't cut his tusks off just happened to hook on those tusks that are forming and it just it just ripped the pants leg completely off this pair of those fair pants <laughs> And of course, you know since the one leg, I'm expecting one leg to swing back down and hit the mud, and I've got a you know, five-gallon bucket full of feed in the other hand. I go, of course, tumbling in the mud. And I think I heard him laugh at me a couple times, but yeah, it's, but yeah, yeah, very, very docile, very, very large animal, but very docile, very, very fun to uh, to be around. Good, good. Well, all right, well, Stephen, um, I know we talked about it last year, but just a reminder for everybody: if they want to find out more about you, where can they find you online?
2: Uh, just us out at uh Doe Acres on Facebook. Uh, that is our main page that we're using. We have started using and kind of working with the uh, point of sale, you know, Square app as well as the, you know, technology and stuff that they offer. I think we're going to try to expand to a, uh, an official, you know, web browser page, not just the free one that they give you to use the uh, you know, post product on. Yeah. Uh, that should be in the works. hopefully within the next, uh, realistically, probably the next six months. I think with starting up with the store and trying to get product rolling and going different ways. I think Facebook's kind of continuing to be our main way, and then we also can reach out to us at our email at ironbellacres at gmail.com. Right. Uh, and folks can reach out to us anytime. I've I've been able to reach out to folks like you know you, Chuck, and some other people whenever David Crafton never had questions. So, if yeah, folks just starting out want to reach out to me and have any questions, I'd be glad to talk to folks.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's great to, great to be able to have that resource and ping questions off one another. Yeah, if you see Chuck anytime soon, uh, tell him I said hi. And I enjoy talking to him from time to time. It's it's uh, He always has a fun story to say.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I enjoy talking with Dan. I'll, I'll see him later
1: this week. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast again. I pray you have a good week. Well, all right. I appreciate Stephen coming on and taking the time to give us an update, but also share some of those uh, some of those uh, plans change and, and some of the issues you run into and, and some of the failures you experience and then what you learn from that. So I think, uh, I think that's helpful for all of us to hear and we can uh, relate to that to our own situations as we need to and hopefully have the same resolve to press on. Well, we continue to plug ahead. Uh, there are, we've got some great interviews already in the can. So we'll be releasing those uh, again every other week as we're sticking to that schedule, even through summer. Um, Fortunately, I've been having good success booking new uh, people to come on. So I think we've got enough in the the bank right now to get us into September. And we still have more scheduled uh, lined up. But if you would like to be on the podcast, or if you know someone you would like to have us try to reach out to, by all means, send me an email, Troy at redtoolhouse.com and let me know. Or if you would like to, uh, to be on, then you can obviously go to the uh, website, use the Pastured Pig podcast link, and you know, fill out our pre-screening info. That really helps me uh, kind of get my ducks in a row before I can reach out to you and, and understand what's going on there. Uh, again, don't uh, uh, don't forget about the Patreon. Uh, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, now you're thinking, here he goes again, over and over again. But uh, i got to throw that out there. It's just a constant plug. I know a lot of people hop around on the podcast as well. So uh, consider that if you would. Uh, something as simple as $5 a month would help get us to our goals and help fund some of these uh, new elements we want to partake in. So consider that. And and one thing I, you do all these, and I can't remember if I mentioned it or not, but we uh, did reach a, a milestone that I never thought we'd actually reach on this podcast, since it's such a specified, such a very uh, you know, small niche audience. But we hit fifty thousand downloads, I believe, last month, and uh, so I think we're maybe around fifty one or fifty two thousand. But uh, that's pretty exciting, and I appreciate everyone who's downloaded and and listened and and has given good feedback, and has participated. So uh, let's just keep going on. Let's see if we can hit 100,000, I guess. So if Lord willing and the creek don't rise, we'll hopefully keep plugging along. And and maybe by, uh, what, that would be probably the end of 2022. Maybe we'll hit 100,000 downloads. Who knows? We'll see. Well, I pray everyone has a great week, and we'll catch you back here in two weeks. All right, take care, everybody.
0: We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. To learn more about our podcast or to submit topics or recommend guests for future episodes, visit redtoolhouse.com.